welcome to another Farm Fresh Restaurant Quality episode of WENK, the weekly AEW news kick. I'm your host, Tom, joined as always by Patrick. Hello again. And WENK's sound engineer and Weatherspoons enthusiast, Jack Griffin. We made it to episode two. We did. It's party time. Whoop, whoop. You know, no big breaking news stories this week, so we're just going to launch straight into the Dynamite recap. Let's get this going. We opened with JR giving us an It's Wednesday, you know what that means, so it looks like that will be a permanent feature of Dynamite now, as uh, well as some other wrestling shows um, are still doing it, apparently. So, you know, that's a nice tribute. Our opening match was Pac versus Eddie Kingston, a blow-off to a feud that's been building over the past few weeks. What did you make of this? Let's come to Patrick. I'm fine with that. It was a really good match. I was surprised on uh, how good Eddie Kingston was also doing in in the ring against Pac because Pac is very athletic and and yeah, I think he makes. Uh, I I was afraid he made may make look him bad or you know slow or anything. But no, they 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 paced good together. That was very fine. I like the finish. That was cool. And uh, yeah, with the finish in general, like everything that happened after the match with um, Lance Archer running in and uh, the Lucha Bros running in. No, the Lucha Bros are running in later, right? <laughs> well, the Lucha I Bros mean, not in, in the ring they, like they, afterwards. I'm just confused they made, well, there was There was so much chaos later on in a match later on, well, after a match later on that we'll yeah. talk about later, that it's kind, of, it's kind of hard to keep track of who came out when. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So yeah, like what I said, afterwards what happened, what was nice that Lance Archer came out. I think that's the essence of it because Lance Archer joined them to help against Eddie Kingston and the Butcher Blade and the Bunny. That was interesting. Let's see where that approach is. They broke well, off. Well, I like, I like that it doesn't seem to be over because at the beginning of the episode, and I wrote on my notes that uh, it would be good if this became a longer feud and it wasn't over tonight because I, I really like, they're both incredible talkers. I don't think Pac really gets the credit where it's due for his mic skills. Eddie obviously does. But um, yeah, Pack cut a nice promo when he was on his way to the ring, a video package. And yeah, I mean, I wish there had been more reasons to invest emotionally in this feud. But I mean, it's Pack's first match back. He looked great. He came out the blocks really fast. Eddie, as always, I mean, he did his best to tell stories during the match. Uh, he had that spot where he was a bit, being a bit of a psycho and kind of goading Pack into kicking him. That was great. He always looks like he's on the verge of tears, Eddie Kingston. Yeah, nah, Eddie Kingston pack. I agree with you, Tom. I'm glad it's not over. I had a feeling, a weird sense it was going to be over. I thought it was going to be one of those weird moments that AEW does where they have they ha- have something good going and they rush it and it's done within a dynamite. But yeah, these two are really good talkers, really good wrestlers. The back, the backing team they've got behind them with Luch Bros um, and Lance Archer now and obviously Butcher and Blade. It's good to see them guys wrestle as well when it interlocks the whole feud. And yeah, it's it's definitely not over. So I'm excited to see what comes next with that. But yeah, when everyone started coming out and then obviously Lance Archer's music hits and that, that music just hits me, hits me hard. Every time, everybody just gets me. But one of the best entrance music uh, wrestlers got at AEW. But yeah, now as a match overall as well, I was actually disappointed a little bit. I liked the match. And I like the quality of the match. I just wish it got on longer. And I feel like that's where, like last week when we were previewing, I thought it should be a pay-per-view match. Maybe it will eventually, as we said, the feud will go on longer, hopefully, and they'll have a pay-per-view match. So maybe I shouldn't be too disappointed, but I still felt it felt a little short for me. Yeah, and I have to agree. I, I mean, I gave it a 3.25, so obviously, a, you know, a good average match. But 
an average match all the same. I have to disagree with Patrick a little bit and say that I did think Pac outshone Eddie Kingston and exposed some of the flaws in Eddie Kingston's repertoire a bit. And it wasn't for want of trying. Eddie did try to keep up, and maybe that's what was coming through for you because he hit an Enziguri at one point. But it just it didn't look as pretty as it would if Pac had hit it or if Phoenix had hit it or if someone else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you're going to go yeah. for moves I like that. I said also like the pace a little bit. The pace was, was okay. So it's all... Uh... Pac, of course, in the beginning, Pack was super fast, was uh, like really hitting him out of nowhere with the moves. But then, like the middle pace of the match was okay, and then in the end, it got faster because you could see Pack is obviously winning. So yeah. Yeah, and I don't know whether I mean it was a bit of ring rust with him coming back, or whether it was just that was planned to take all the rest spots or whatever. But uh, it did, as you say, it slowed down a bit in the middle, which was a bit weird considering how it started and how it's packed. But yeah, a, a solid match. It was a solid match. I think you guys will agree. It wasn't wasn't mind blowing. It wasn't it wasn't a bad match by any means. Yeah, so, solid is a good uh, good review of that. Really, yeah. So then we were into Chuck Taylor versus Miro. Now I'm really glad they've changed this feud a little bit. You heard the guys on commentary multiple times. No one mentioned the word young boys. Not on commentary and not the competitors in the match. Because as you agree, that uh, you, we, we spoke about last time, it was weird. It didn't translate. It was a thing in Japan. It didn't really translate to American television. So Chuck, if he lost this match, would be Miro's butler, not his young boy, for the next month. Which is much better for the American audience. I think you'll agree. Yeah, definitely. I was wondering in the beginning, when, when they started talking about it, I was like, why butler? Why, why? And then I read about like, yeah, it's probably... For the American audience, most of you are not common to the to the Japanese structure of wrestling there, so that was a good choice. But what was not good was the match. Like you can start, I can actually start at the match length. Like uh, three minutes twenty five seconds is nothing, and we haven't barely seen Miro in the ring at all. Uh, still, I think Miro is very underused, underutilized. You also say in English, I guess, right? So he's he's not used very well. Still, this feud is for me. I don't know where is it going now. There might be funny moments coming out of it, maybe now with the wedding uh, up, and that he uh, that that Chuck Taylor will be his butler during that time. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to say from this. Still, like it's still it's going on for I don't know how many months now, maybe half a year already, and there's nothing coming out of it, like really nothing. And Re- Miro is uh, hopefully he'll make his breakthrough with some good matches. Also, I hope he gets a. a, a gets a pay-per-view match at one point again. I don't know uh, if they also set the length a little shorter because he was injured for a while again after his comeback, but it's not good now, so can only yeah, be better. Yeah, I mean, Chucky T came out pretty strong at the very beginning of the match, I think. He was looking really good and really fast, and I was thinking maybe he's got something to prove because, you know, he's got this time as a singles wrestler now. Trent's out for a few months with a torn pectoral, isn't he? So there's a lot of ways they can go with... There's, there's a lot of ways they can use that injury. One is showcasing Chucky T a bit more, giving him a chance to shine, and another is making it a more serious rivalry than it has been previously with all the Twitch humor they're going for. There's there's things that I didn't really get, and I think it's because I haven't been watching them on Twitch. I don't know if they've covered stuff on BTE, but they, they came out with the, the Trent cardboard cutout Kip did. I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, he's put him out of commission or whatever, so that's part of it, but I, I don't know if there's more to the cardboard cutout that I haven't seen or what that was about. I also noticed Kip came out with a mask on, but then took it off at ringside where there's more people. So, again, that confused me. Just everything about Kip Sabian in general and and this this feud confuses me. But uh, I don't know if I have to be watching Twitch to get a lot of the references or. Yeah, it was. Um, I know we talked about it last week because uh, we had talked a bit 
at length actually about how it weirded us out this whole um, st- sort of storyline they've got going on and this this match didn't help improve that situation for me I know I said last week that maybe they're planning something further along and I still think that and obviously now he is the butler after the result but yeah still it's not furthered it for me it's not improved it for me in any way it actually even weirded me a bit out the end of the match where he was on his knees when he and he Miro had him like on the floor by him um, and that weirded me out the only bit I sort of liked was the look kind of Orange Cassidy gave Chuck T as if to say like I, I can't help you now sort of thing and that was a good yeah. sort of bit for me in terms of the storyline where it's like actually like Chucky e. T's like in trouble sort of here where like even his best friend can't get him out but there's obviously still more to go of it and maybe we'll end up once the whole storyline's finished and completed we'll be like it wasn't too bad in the end but it's from start to where we are at the moment it's not done anything for me and it's definitely not one that when we talk about AW5 10 years down the line we'll be talking as one of their best storylines given the limited time they have for how many people they've got on the roster this feud feels like it's taking away tv time from others i feel a little bit but i I, i'm with you i hope it turns it around i'm not confident at this point but the you know there could be some good stuff come out of as i say they could make something good come out of trent's injury and turn it a bit more serious maybe showcase chucky t a bit and his humor but we'll see Next up, we had uh, another hard, Hardy Party. Are they still Hardy Party promo? Where Matt is now their manager rather than their tag team partner. He's taking 30% of their wages. What do we think about this little promo? Yeah, so um, obviously last week we saw him. It was featuring Snoop Dogg, the weirdest sort of cameo in a um, promo we've ever seen. Where he Still not brought, over it, it was bizarre. <laughs> where all he brought to the party was juice. <laughs> Imagine, actually, you're going to a party, you've got gin, you've brought the alcohol and someone's just brought juice. It's like, at least bring some more gin with you. Like, when, this party needs more gin. Like, bring the mixer, yeah. But, like, if you're just a dude who brings juice to a party, like, you're going to get laughed out of there. I mean, they'll take the juice, but then they'll laugh you out of the party. And this is Snoop Dogg. Um, anyway, enough about that. But, yeah, so obviously... <laughs> Last week, they signed the contracts. And then there was a bit on BT this week, um, which I know Patrick watched, like me, who watched it every week, he might have saw it as well, where they were talking about... Um, oh, call me out like they, that, all right. Yeah. Do you, did you watch BT this week? I haven't, no. I should. There you go, there you then. go. <laughs> um, but no, they, they were talking about the financial side of stuff, um, which I know hasn't been mentioned on Dynamite. So this seemed like another like last week where we mentioned... Um, where they bring stuff into Dynamite that hasn't been mentioned and was and it was on BT and they hope people like get it um, because obviously they brought the money thing. But yeah, 50% they seem to be getting of stuff, which again seems like uh, reference that Twitch cameo stuff you mentioned last week as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not sure how I feel about that, especially in the wake of Brady Lee's death when he was the guy yeah. that came in and was parodying Vince McMahon and now they've got Matt Hardy taking shots at the Fed. Yeah, uh, it, it seems weird, it, doesn't it? One thing I did like about this was they seemed to add continuity with Matt losing trust in people after his mm. match with Sammy Guevara all out and the, the concussion. Yes, yes. And it seems like it's, it's... Well, it's definitely his new gimmick now, which we had a whole thing about, talked about Matt Hardy gimmicks, which you can check out in the last, the last episode. But yeah, this whole new gimmick he's doing now, which is like kind of like this business kind of guy who's signing all these contracts. Again, there was a bit on BT where 
they obviously played on that, but it was he was selling the Bucks a new room, a new room for them to, you know, have backstage. And obviously it ended up being someone else's room and it was just a whole jokey thing. But that seems to be the gimmick he's going for, like this guy who's all business and all contract. He seems a bit snidey with it. So I still still lots to learn about it. Um I don't think I'm a fan. I just want broken Matt back because that was just yeah, a happy too. time in my life. Uh, thoughts on the direction of this storyline, Patrick? Nothing to add here to you guys, actually. Because <laughs> I see completely <laughs> the same. No, it's it's just like, I, I don't know what, what the outcome of this will be. Uh, also, as Jack mentioned, the BTE bit with the, him, like with Matt selling, uh, or there's no renting out the room to the Bucks. I, I don't, don't get it. I don't get the joke around it. Or maybe they're building something from it very slowly or so, then I hope there will be a nice outcome. But in the end, right now, also at Private Party, also this this direction where it goes like pointing at wwe with the third party money they're making or so uh, i think that's out that it didn't don't need to do that really anymore it was just one it was funny the fir- it was funny the first time when it came up at the bottom yeah. saying AEW officially endorses cameo or something like that or during a promo yeah. came up with text at the bottom that was funny it's funny when it's fresh um they, i remember them doing and a dig about Helen. yeah right you don't need to like keep on writing on it and, and keep picking on them because that's not not their style actually like I, I wouldn't do that so yeah i remember on bte them see i do watch sometimes uh a while back when they ripped on the finish to the fiend versus seth rollins hell in a cell match if you can remember that far back where it ended in a disqualification despite it being a hell in a cell match um and they that was funny because it was a few days after it might be even the day after they got on it really quick but imagine if they were still making that joke now do you know what i mean that it would be just so played out it would be and i think i think they need to keep they need to stop assuming people are watching bte as well uh because they're not not that it's not a good show it's a great show but i don't catch it every week so and this is the same thing about when they did the lawnmowers with the dark order um when it had never been mentioned on dynamite before and i'm not opposed to them bringing stuff that's worked on bte and making it the storyline on dynamite for example the dark order now in the wake of Brody Lee's death, I think, and we'll talk about that a bit more in a minute, that them as a face team with their BTE gimmick that was decidedly different from their Dynamite one is the way to go. But I don't think referencing things that are established on BTE but not Dynamite is the way to go. I think that's a, a poor a poor move. Right, next we came on to the Inner Circle's New Year's resolutions. What did we make of this segment? Let's go to Patrick. That was pretty nice. Um, so showing up, yeah, the group being together out there and then also seemingly divided with the uh, dividing within the group. Now Chris Jericho does that himself by uh, saying that he and MJF will win the uh, tag team championships and then upsetting Sammy Guevara with it because they used to be less, less ex gods and now they're not. And then the uh no not they're not called proud and powerful anymore right <laughs> so santana, just santana and ortiz yeah santana yeah. ortiz they they are also now upset saying yeah you, you just got us in here because you said we're the best tech team so yeah keeping this this going on the storyline with the uh inner destruction of the inner circle let's say it like this <laughs> um yeah. yeah and the outcome of it now of this whole discussion is a really really nice match uh, for next week a three-way uh, tech team match uh, who of them is allowed to challenge for the tag team titles 
which I find also like now, now comes the part and I don't mind too much about it when there's the point again ah okay will they now compete as a tag team or will they challenge immediately as a tag team for the championship because then um, all the all the scores would be gone again you know the uh, yeah the score not just system. that they will they will become the official tag team of the inner circle um, I will just start by saying that I when they came out they entered the crowd seems to have got the memo to chant Judas two times through now, uh, which which me and Jack always appreciated uh, because it always felt like it was going to go longer and then it didn't, but it seems to have caught on now, thank goodness. If you want to go through their New Year's resolutions point by point, Jake Hager's was Championships Yeah, MGF's was Closer Bonds with his Inner Circle stable mates, and Fat People Gotta Go. <laughs> Ortiz, I think... I hope it was Ortiz and not Santana, otherwise apparently I'm a racist and hashtag cancel, cancel WNK. <laughs> cooking, I, I just wrote down cooking because I wasn't familiar with the dish he was talking about, but it got a big pop from the Spanish contingent in the audience, so it must be really good. And Jericho was to win the tag titles with MGF, and then of course all hell break loose and Sammy called him a tag team slut. <laughs> what are we... What do you think about that? Yeah, um, I thought it's really clever. If I just, sorry, I'm still laughing about them. Um, if I break them down, each one, Hager's one made me laugh just when he comes out. She's like, he said it at the end yeah, it as well. Yeah. Championships, yeah! yeah, and that just made me crease up because it was just like that's kind of the character I take Hager to be. He doesn't say he's a man of few words, but when he does, it's just like it's kind of that typical like he's a big guy, but when he speaks, it's not like the cleverest stuff. And it, it's just like, yeah, just what championship, just championships, yeah. Um, it was Ortiz who said the the cooking stuff, so you got that right, so we're not going to get cancelled. So thank Woo! you, thank you, Tom. Um, first, yeah. first, 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 Patrick trying to talk about Marty Skull, then uh, now, now this. I'm I'm dodging bullets left and right here. Watch me go. <laughs> um, MJF's one. There's not too much to say. Obviously, we all know MJF's a little bit of a snide guy. Something's going to happen. But yeah, closer bonds. It's nice. It's nice. Yeah, the. Well, actually, touching on the cooking thing again, I thought it was a nice touch when, was it, um, yeah, was it saying that? And everyone was like, delicious. And I think, was it MGF was like, what? I don't even know what that is or something like that he said. Oh, no, no, it was the opposite. He claimed like he did. He was like, I totally know what that dish is. That that was it. Yeah, that was it. I totally know what that is. And it was just like, yeah, that made me laugh. Um, But yeah, then talking about obviously the main thing to come out of it, that triple triple, um, tag match next week. I'm looking forward to it. I kind of feel a bit sorry for Santana Ortiz how it's gone, and I feel sorry, obviously. Well, yeah, because they're saying the official tag yeah. team of of the, the, inner, the circle. inner Circle. As far as I was aware, Santana and Ortiz yeah. were the official tag team exactly. of the Inner Circle. Um, and yeah, Jericho, it, it made me laugh when obviously Sammy called him a tag slut because yeah, I thought the Sex Gods was the best kind of second tag team to the Inner Circle. Like obviously, it was always going to be Santana yeah. Ortiz, um, but that was a nice like, and, I, and they had a good name a good like name you could get on board with as a tag name. Um, and then obviously it was Jake, uh, is Hager and Jericho. And that, that obviously for me wasn't a tag thing, but then he did say they were going to challenge. And then obviously MJF comes in. It's like a kid with his new toy. MJF's his new toy. Yeah. Just, yeah. And he's like, yeah, we're going to win That's it. A good now. Point. Um, and yeah. And yeah, I think, um, you know what? I just, I want Santana Ortiz to win still. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, dude, they, that would be a good, that would be a good thing because it would show, that you know 
there's there's something to be said for having tag team chemistry and it's like not yeah. everyone can just come in here and be a you, know, you can't just put two guys together and be a tag team it takes mm. work so yeah. it would be quite consistent and good if Santana Ortiz won that don't know if they will um what I do know is I don't see Sammy and Hager winning it but that might that might be part of it do you know what I mean the yeah. fact like MJ Jericho dismissing them out of hand mm. um that yeah so. I, I agree with you as well I, I... I'd like Santana Ortiz to win. I think for storyline purposes, I'll probably go Jericho and MJF just to build that kind of bond a bit more um, for that initial, when he stabs Jericho in the back, it hits harder. Um, so obviously I think Jericho and um, MJF will win next week, but it'll be a shakes, but it will add storyline depth as well to Santana Ortiz's characters because they're already distant characters at the moment with in terms of friendships in the inner circle. So obviously then if they're not even a tag team, of the inner circle, it's like, well, what do we have going for us? Like, we're not, we're not the tag team in this group. Like, what, where do we stand? Jericho. Also, did you guys the... get the oh. the reference? Uh, sorry, the reference. No, no. Chris Jericho made with Sammy Hager when they said it. No, I must have missed that. Oh, Sammy. Oh, Sammy Hager's like really okay. I get it now. I was just thinking he was doubting his um their abilities as a tag team, but you know, I I I completely missed that. Yeah, so so just for info, you also told me that's uh, that's uh, a member of uh, Van Halen. This is why yeah. Jericho made the reference. So just for the info, I didn't know that as well. <laughs> well, while we're pointing stuff out, did anyone catch that hilariously gifable moment when they were talking about the match between Hager and Wardlow, and they cut to Hager looking very sad, and then cut to <laughs> Wardlow looking incredibly smug? That was brilliant. I have to. I'm gonna have to go back and clip it. Right then, we went on to a Dark Order promo, which for me was a face turn. I don't know about you guys. What you thought? If that's how you interpreted it, but yeah. Face turn, really? Well, I didn't see a face turn, but did it did not feel like a face turn to you? No, no. I don't know. They're, they, I would also consider them more as tweener now tweeners because they're not really heels because they're not really attacking people or or cheating or so like now really big time uh they're also not clearly good guys but um i would say they're kind of in the middle now i'm but i'm curious to see what hangman will say then next week uh the ultimatum he got from them or not really an ultimatum he said yeah i'm gonna tell you next week if i join dark order yeah i'm curious to see what this what this will be the end of yeah, not the end if, if this will be a beginning of something new then for the dark order now with the passing of brody and yeah the, the organization uh, structure is still also not really there there's no real leader i would say evil uno right now is their leader he was like, but like a, but like a de facto leader yeah yeah but uh, yeah let, let's see how that develops it's quite interesting i like also these small bits this bit was like a minute long minute and a half but it just continues to tell the story and i really like that this is what i like in aw in general there doesn't have to be a big match 10 minutes 15 minutes with promo with promo package whatever it can also be like once a week like 90 seconds two minutes just these things and it just keeps in your head stays in your head and uh yeah, yeah it keeps the story going for a longer time i do think dark order and hangman need to be on television weekly do you know what i mean but even if it's just small bits like this to remind you it's ongoing because I'm really into it. I'm really into this this storyline and where they can go with it. And I mean, we've talked about it before, but they really should have pulled the ha pulled the trigger on Hangman earlier. But better late than never. And 
you know, coinciding with the Dark Order stuff being over at the moment, it did feel like a face turn through humour to me, to be honest, and the way they were talking. Um, we had John Silver fangirling over over uh, Adam Page, and it kind of it felt like the completion of the transition of their characters on BTE to becoming their characters on Dynamite. Um, what did you make of it, Jack? Yeah, I I kind of I think I'm more with Patrick on the tweener side. I don't I didn't see yeah. it as a complete face turn yet, because um, I think that's still too soon from their heel side. But I do think they're getting there. And I think everyone knows they're getting there because obviously how over they are on BTE and obviously they're not as heel as other heels in the, you know, in the company. So they're definitely tw- turning that way. But I just so hope like, well, I was about to say I so hope he joins. I think he will. But in terms of like the match next week anyway, I was thinking like, oh, if they lose, like he might not join because he doesn't see it. But who he's, who they're facing next week, like I saw it, it was... um. Chaos Project, and I can't remember who the other person is, but like literally, it's Luther and Serpentico. So, like that—that's a win for TH2. me. Th two, Th two. Yeah, oh yeah, there you go. Um, was it Th two and Luther, or was it Th Th two and Chaos Project? I think. Oh, was it? Yeah. I knew. I know Luther's fighting, so I just saw Luther, and that to me is just an automatic win for because I think it's Hangman, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds. Oh no, it is. It's Chaos Project and Th two because it's. Hagman, uh, Colt Cabana, then it's John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Yeah, so it's um, it's a yeah, eight man tag. Eight man tag. Yeah. Also um, so I, I think, I think, yeah, it'll go. They, they win. Um, they look good. Hagman, obviously, the the whole celebration starts. are like, yeah, we won, whatever. And he, I think he, I think he's found like a little family. It's what obviously we like to see because obviously that it was such a sad storyline being like casted out of the elite. He's found some friends now. It, they like really like him. Um, and it's just nice to see it. And yeah, I'm with you, Tom. I'm invested in this storyline. I'm looking forward to seeing where it's going. I suppose just to defend my point of it being a face turn <laughs> before we move on is that when you are going through a gradual face turn through tweener territory, it's always going to be subjective at what point they become face. Do you know what I mean? So like when it's not just going through one moment, like hitting a person with a chair that you weren't supposed to hit do you know what i mean it's not going to be like an initial moment like that so we're all, we're all going to have our threshold and what makes them face but i think we're all in agreement that that's the way they're going whether they're there or they're not that oh my god <laughs> cut that or leave it in whether they are there or there or fuck my life <laughs> whether they are there or not <laughs> yet <laughs> Whether they're there or they're not. I'm just going to move on. I'm just going to move on. Leave that in. I don't give a shit. Right. Leave that in, please. <laughs> the uh, next one we had, the next thing we had was a really good promo for a match later in the night, which we will talk about at the, the actual match at the end of the show. But a Darby Allen. I'm, I'm, I'm rattled. I'm rattled. I've been rattled. <laughs> I'm down, lads. Darby Allen and Brian Cage promo. Dar- Darby Allen versus. Someone else talk. Someone else talk. D- so who liked this promo? Yeah, it was Somebody a talk. Promo package for Darby Allen versus uh, Brian Cage for the end of the show, <laughs> for the main event of the show. Tom is now a little handicapped with his mouth. <laughs> I, burned the, the, the. I, can't, I can't speak. Um, we say in yeah, German, I, we say when something like this happens, that's uh, mouth diarrhea. <laughs> right. Yeah, brain, brain fart. I would say. Um, oh, brain no, fart. Yeah. I, one thing I noticed is they had so much... This was an amazing promo, but I think it kind of betrayed a better rivalry than it has been. Like, it made it seem... They had so much footage that they could 
Do you know what I mean? They had so much footage that they could use that they could put together a package that made it look like a more cohesive storyline than it's been. Whereas, you know, we were talking about this last time where sometimes we don't know whether that rivalry's still on or whether, like, they said it's been, what, nine months? There's times we weren't sure whether the rivalry was still on. We weren't sure whether Darby Allen was currently feuding with Brian Cage or with Ricky Starks. And so, but there, but there was a lot of content there from a lot of matches and a lot of spots and a lot of moments. So they could put it together in a way that made it seem like an absolute epic storytelling when it hasn't quite been that has it yeah no i think because i was i was just thinking when you brought, brought it up the pro i was like which one um it was i think it's from row two i think i watched the row two um road to night two of new year's or new year's smash i think it was just it's contagious <laughs> um yeah, road no, tonight to road to <laughs> turn <laughs> but um but yeah no it was from the row two series anyway um, and yeah, I, I agree with you. It's weird because it wasn't really a feud that it was a feud that at the start you're invested in, then you you kind of like get a bit bored, and now because it's more recent and the matches happen, you get a bit more excited about it again. It's one of those. Um, and yeah, obviously we'll talk about the match later. But yeah, the promos itself, if we're talking, because that's what we're doing, we're promo. excellent promos. Yeah, and especially at row two, row two can make you get hyped about anything. And whilst it's quickly on my mind, actually, no, no, I'll say it now whilst it's there. I know we'll talk about um, Kenny later when we come to his match. Um, But quickly, just for people listening as well, before Hard to Kill, there's a 40-minute video on YouTube, like a Road 2 series, just purely about the Kenny and Good Brothers versus um, Rich Swan and Motor City Machine Guns, which, yeah, 40-minute kind of Road 2 thing about that feud, which is called Checkout as well. Um, but obviously they do, it on that. they do it in 40 minutes. It wasn't as good, but it was obviously filled with more like behind-the-scenes stuff. But it's yeah, smart the, to do that as well, because not everyone's going to be watching Impact yeah. and not everyone's going to be familiar with these people. Exactly. Um, so that's cool to check out. But yeah, so in terms of this one and the Road 2 series in general, they're really good at building it up, making it you really hyped for something that you could easily not be hyped for. And it does give it that sense of, there's more on the line than you first thought, really. And that takes us into, quote-unquote, the Elite versus Griff Garrison, Brian Pillman Jr. and Danny Limelight. What did we make of this? Um, yeah. Am I, am, I allowed to, am I allowed to go? You are allowed to spoil mine. the twist, yeah. So I thought this was incredible. I knew it was coming um, because it was when they said the Elite and the three of us and stuff. So obviously, at the, the show ended last week. Two sweet in the five of them, good brothers, young bucks, and Kenny. So obviously Kenny comes out, genius entrance as always. Highlighted the entrance every time for me is North Carolina, especially where he's not from North yeah. Carolina. And I did see theories before. Like... No, I'll tell you why. You know who is from North Carolina? FTR, and there was a sort of hint that um, there was going to be some sort of. I remember seeing a rumor once that it was associated with that. Um, yeah, four horsemen joined that like that, but I, I don't know. But yeah, anyway, I still I still love that. But yeah, the entrance obviously comes in. Don Callis, the little you know worker he is, putting these people together. Love it. Anyway, so the mic the, takes the mic off Justin Roberts, which is funny, um, and then just starts talking. And obviously everyone starts um, chanting as well, don't they? It's like yeah, and then they end up bringing out um, the Good Brothers instead of the Bucks, even though the Bucks were backstage. Already to come out with so well, 
Um, and it was just so heel and it was just so... You know who I feel sorry for, actually? In a completely unrelated note, Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison, who are actually good wrestlers and just that everyone's kind of... had a great outing, I thought. Yeah, time, they I did. Mean. They did. But obviously, they're, they're like the bump, the bump boys, really, aren't they? They're just like, obviously, taking taking the losses, but actually good wrestlers. And I hope they do get their chance to shine in the future and actually get a win streak going. But yeah, so obviously the, the story of the match really was just, it was meant to be Kenny and the Bucks who haven't actually fought with each other. And they did say, I can't remember, I think it was like... 144 days. There you go, 144 days. So it's been a while. And yeah, they, they just end up obviously wording it so they can get away with bringing out the good brothers instead so they can obviously keep that thing going. And everyone was obviously a bit... I was about to say disappointed. No one was disappointed. Obviously, it was still like awesome to see um, them come out. But it was just, it was just clever. I thought the way they did it, and the match was still a good match. Yeah, like I said, obviously, I said that it was they were the bump boys, but I didn't mean it like that. It it felt like it was going to initially be a squash match, but it actually went on longer than it, than I think most people thought it did, and it was a good match still as well. Well, sorry to cut you off, Jack. We'll talk about the match in a minute. But I know Patrick's got some thoughts about the whole kind of set up to this match and the concept what what were what are your thoughts about it patrick first of all i like the uh los buenos hermanos shirt i think uh gallows was wearing that's good like yeah, uh, the good I brothers missed, in I spanish that, but, i love yeah. that yeah i love that when i saw it's like oh that, that's cool actually i want to have that shirt if it's there <laughs> that's that's a real nice uh meta gag is that a t- is that uh, a, so i almost said their old name is that an impact it, i think it's an impact yeah i think it's an yeah. impact i'm not watching it regularly but i think it's impact and i also like jack said like i like that a lot that Callis now tries to split up the group or just tries to take charge of of everything speaks for kenny or you know like splitting this up getting involved I, I like that this can be this this tension can lead us to something somewhere at one point which will be very interesting to see yeah and and well, i try, like trying that, to, uh, trying, to split, trying to i sorry trying to isolate them from just to pick up on what you said there trying to isolate them from the bucks from kenny it does seem to me to be going in a very like I know we talked about it before and saying now they won't they won't do a full blown invasion, but it seems to be going in that way, sort of because Callis is like what the co chairman or something of I don't know what his title is of Impact, and he's executive vice president. You know he's got Kenny, but 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 he's he's got no reason to want to split him off from the Bucks, other than you know come and just chill with us over at impact and our impact guys you know what i mean rather be, hang out with your impact friends don't hang out with your aw friends you know yeah that's also what i see I, I also just wanted to add that i like that i saw the good brothers in the ring because we finally have some uh impact wrestlers then in a aw ring and that's what i like yeah for sure did someone have to refresh my memory did kenny always do the throat cut before the the bang as part of a taunt because he did that on the way to the ring he did the throw and I didn't know whether it was because I mean I know some people and I thought they were reading too much into it thought something Kenny said uh, last week or the week before was a reference to Jay White and I thought oh there's nothing to that but then you know the current leader of the Bullet Club but then he you know he did the throat cut this week and I was like oh maybe there was something to it but I can't remember whether that was always part of his taunt back in New Japan yeah or yeah, yeah, he did that. He did that a oh, lot. He did, yeah. Yeah, he did that a lot. Not not always, especially when he when he was uh turning face in his in in his final uh Yeah, I months. did watch, but and I, he wasn't doing I, Yeah, he wasn't he was mostly doing it when he was the cleaner, really. That's why it seemed a bit unfamiliar to me now, is because he hasn't been the cleaner for a while. And 
I'm glad that he's bringing these elements of it back, whether it's elements of the cleaner or just just heal Kenny in general. Uh, you know, he wore the leather jacket, but more than that, he's just he's acting weird again now in a good way. Do you know what I mean? Like when he comes down to the ring and just the facial expressions he makes and the way he moves and the way he moves his head. He's he's a weird dude, if that makes sense. But like that, it really works. Um, I remember the first time a friend of mine saw Kenny Omega years and years ago. It would have been now probably around, I don't know, after Wrestle Kingdom 9, maybe before Wrestle Kingdom 10. And he was he was at like junior heavyweight level in the Bullet Club. So he wasn't Bullet Club leader. AJ Styles would have been Bullet Club leader at this point. And he was he saw Kenny, he was like, this guy just looks so dirty. Do you know what I mean? Not in, a, not in like a perverted way or something, but just like, he just looks skeevy, do you know, with his kind of leather jacket and his kind of, he used to have the kind of silver hair and, you know, the toothpick out of his mouth and just like looking really kind of slimy. And that's what I love about, and that's what he kind of feels like he's bringing back. He, look, he you know, he puts on this face where he's like rocking his head and he looks a little bit, not drugged out, but kind of like just, just odd. Do you know what I mean? He just seems like just a weirdo. Like, and, and I love that. I think it's great. And speaking of New Japan, him and the Young Brothers Hunt Mr. Beat tagging together. Uh, I thought they were really good. And I actually thought... Yeah, and also, sorry, really they well. also Danny changed Limelight. something in his entrance in his entrance video. Somebody pointed that out also on, on I think on Reddit, was it? The backgrounding of Kenny Omega, it was more like this uh, grayish steel color when it was on screen, his name. But uh, now on the, on the Titantron video also, I think you call it, it is it has like a red background, like the Terminator red background. Yeah, that was which he was always, awesome, always took detail. influence from. Yeah, but um, I want to talk about their opponents a little bit. Danny Limelight, Griff Garrison, Brian Pillman Jr., all very good wrestlers. Um, this was, I mean, I think in AEW, sometimes their squash matches go on a little bit too long, if that makes sense. I think, I mean, we all know the result of it, you know, but I feel like, I feel like they've got a policy and this not only applies to this, but also applies to like at least one other match. This, I mean, we were talking about Miro versus, versus Chucky T, weren't we? And there may have been another, I can't remember, but yeah, they, uh, they have a lot of, they like to give everyone a chance to shine. Whereas sometimes it's like, I know what the result of this is going to be. I'm not particularly invested in the person trying to make themselves shine. Can we just get it over with? But I mean, I didn't get that this time because I love watching these guys wrestle. Do you know what I mean? All of the guys. And Danny Limelight specifically kind of stood out to me as making quite an impression in this match. Um, he sold his ass off. Uh, there was a point where... So there's a point where he was selling off Kenny for a little bit and then Kenny tagged in Carl Anderson and Carl Anderson throws him into the turnbuckle and he just like bounced halfway across the ring to the point where I was like writing, scribbling my notes and my mum was here as well watching the, the arse end of this match for me. And, um, well, Jack's mum also, not just my mum. The, the way uh, the way Danny Limelight bounced off the turnbuckle, not I looked up and I was like, oh, so that's, that's Luke Gallons that just threw him then. And I was like, oh, wait, no, that's Carl Anderson. Because <laughs> like the way he bounced off was like he sold it like this guy was like a monster. He was... I think he, he was spiking his head into the floor off moves from Kenny. He was just, he was just, you know, going all out. Yeah, I also saw that. Like, I, I really, uh, really liked the match also. <laughs> I'm always saying I really liked it, but I really liked it. There's something you have to say about it. And I like these kind of squash matches, what you say. Like, they, they have this policy. Yeah, like you said, it's weird that the Miro match was just like three and a half minutes long and this was almost 10 minutes long. Yeah. But I like that that even if it's a squash match, the wrestlers who are getting squashed can a little bit show off their skills because 
as you also said before, that uh, Danny Limelight or Griff Garrison and especially Brian Pullman are really good wrestlers and they can still really also maybe benefit from it when they're resting. They're getting their showtime, they're getting their on-screen time for for 10 minutes so that's yeah that's really good well yeah i mean and... we're talking about it now saying oh i don't know about these long squash matches but i mean we're talking about them we're talking about how good they are so obviously it is working do you know what i mean yeah right so that's that's a really good thing not also like wwe i remember that it was a lot back then in the uh, ruthless aggression era when they had these uh 30 second one minute squash matches which really annoyed the hell out of me um yeah they, well, I mean, this is a completely now, different I mean... approach I haven't watched yeah, but not WWE as many as. Yeah, uh, but back then in the days, it was just like it was squash match, one squash match a week or so like this, and here you can barely see it. Just maybe uh, I remember Nyla Rose to put her over to bring a squash match, or even when Sheeta had some squash matches, they were like five minutes long at least, and uh, it looked still good in the ring. So, well, I remember the last WrestleMania I watched with Jack. There was a squash match at WrestleMania um, between Samoa Joe squash and Rey Mysterio as well. Like. That was wild. Like, what? Like, these are both, these are two. Rey Mysterio is a legend, and Samoa Joe is a legend in a different sense, in a kind of, you know, the ring. Of, he's a Ring of Honor legend. He's, a, he's an Impact legend. So, this is a match at WrestleMania that you'll be like, okay, yeah, let's settle in for this. This will be good. And then Samoa Joe just locks asleep on him with about, I don't know, seconds of the match starting and puts him out. It was weird. Like, so they are still doing it on big stages as well. Like, what's what's the point of that? What's the what's the point of a squash match at WrestleMania? I don't understand. But anyway, yeah. well, also Sheamus versus uh, Daniel Bryan was also squash. Oh match yeah, at WrestleMania. yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. That was. That, I mean, and, and who does that benefit? Because because Bryan was the one coming up in that sense as well. Like, oh, it just yeah, know. right. So it's just on this big stage. It doesn't make sense. If if someone is like, yeah, but let, let's not not go into the uh, WWE. So yeah, let's keep it positive. Positive vibes. Good vibes. Uh, I suppose the the big selling point of this match though is what happened after the match. With, I mean, I just have absolute chaos underlined three times in capitals on my sheet because I was scribbling trying to keep up with what was going on. But I will try uh, and surmise it for you. Uh, I believe did the Lucha Brothers come out first? I, I want to say that, yeah, Ray Phoenix and Penta, and that kind of carried on. I loved how that carried over from the fact that their stories crossed over with the Kenny and Good Brothers and and Bucks and Mox story from the other week, where they Mox, Mox they came were, out first and then the Lucha Brothers. Yeah, oh, Mox, Mox, Mox was much, like the whole thing where it started with. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. then you're mostly like, sitting in front of TV and you're like, who's coming next? Yeah, and then and then the Lucha Brothers came out, and again that kind of crossed over from. Last week, wasn't it? Because Pac and, you know, Death Triangle and Eddie Kingston, their rivalry kind of kind of crossed over with the main event rivalry and there was, like, resentment there separate from their rivalry with, um, you know, uh, Eddie Kingston. So that was good. They came out and then the Bucks obviously had a reason to come out. And then they reminded us the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers have beef with the Lucha Brothers superkicking the Bucks. And it was just, uh, I, this is this is the stuff I love AEW for. And this is, this is the thing that hooked me to Dynamite specifically, was for the first few weeks of Dynamite, they had all these storylines crossing over. Do you know what I mean? I, me I remember, I don't know, it was the first or second episode of Dynamite with Darby Allen skating down towards the end of like just a melee of people, all these storylines crossing over with like the inner circle, I think, and people like that. It was, yeah, it, and, and they still got it. This was this was great. I mean, this could have happened at the end of the show, but it didn't. But yeah, what do we what do we make of this, Jack? Yeah, absolute carnage. Same same as you. I thought, um, yeah, love the same exact. Just to repeat what you said, basically, 
I love when Dynam- AW and specifically Dynamite, um, it happens like that. It's just absolute carnage. And like you said, I like, it, I like we're not we're not acting like these guys are feuding in their own little worlds and that they never yeah. into each other. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a it's one world. It's not a load of separate universes. Exactly, and it opens up so many more potential storylines for the future, which is just genius. One of the key points I wanted to make when I knew you were going to cross over to me then was what I love is that obviously Kenny and Don start this carnage. They build the carnage. Everyone's then involved. And there's about 20 or so people in the ring. And then you just see Don Callis drag Kenny out and they just like squirm off down the tunnel. And I just love that. It's like Don's, it's like, yeah, it's like Don and Kenny's kind of idea is we come into this world, we F, S up, stuff up. Um, I'm pretty sure we've already sworn on this. We fucked shit up. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'm the only one that's not. Um, muck stuff yeah, up. Yeah, to keep the streak going. That's the no, it. The no, the no swear streak. <laughs> uh, they muck stuff up. They get people fighting. And then they're like, right, you will do that. We're going to square off down the back. We'll see you next week or a couple of weeks' time or whatever. And it's just like absolute carnage. And one of my favorite bits of like sort of, you call like videography, don't you? Is just all that carnage like brewing in the ring, and I think um, Luke Gallows just towering over everyone. I think I just saw like Luke Gallows' head above this crowd of people, and I, it just made me chuckle a little bit because he is just a unit of a man. But yeah, just that was my key point I wanted to make this year. Just the fact they create this world of madness, and then they just squirm off not to be seen again. Gosh darn that scamp Kenny Omega messing everything up, hey Jack. Keeping it clean, keeping it PG. Um, yeah, no, uh, just, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there. I, I do think it obviously hints again towards possibly a wider, you know, war slash invasion. Maybe not a full-blown invasion, but tensions with Impact, especially with it coming up. And we do know there are people on Impact who are unhappy with Kenny's position on that show. Like, you know, Rich One, that's how he's got into this. Rich One not being let into the parking lot on Impact and motor seat machine guns, so... You know, uh, we'll see how that... It's definitely the most exciting storyline in wrestling at the moment, for sure. Next, we came on to the first edition... Well, the first of it on Dynamite, not the first, of Waiting Room with Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. I know Jack's a very big fan of this segment, so I'll come to Jack first for that reason. Uh, What were your impressions of Dr. Britt Baker, DMD's debut on Dynamite for her show, The Waiting Room? Jack. One word, disappointed, actually. Under, under kind of sold it. I thought it's done really well on Dark, I thought, and obviously clearly it's got the fans over on Dark and they thought, let's bring it to the Dynamite. And they brought Cody, which I thought was a great kind of selling point. Lots of great kind of, to kind of sell it over to Dynamite. Let's bring one of the biggest stars. And then who do they have showing up at the door? Jade Cargill. And then it just erupts this whole kind of, for me, kind of cringy, dumb storyline coming back. It's like, it just, I know that's it happens on dark, on the dark version of the waiting room where it kind of built these storylines and, well, not built storylines, but kind of cemented them a bit more. For example, they had Frankie Gazarian and Christopher Daniels, and that's when they, they mentioned about, oh, we won't wrestle again next time we lose. And then obviously it got mentioned again last week on um, Dynamite. And there was another example when Sean Spears was on and Scorpio Sky came out because they had a feud. So it had this, like, place in dark where it kind of kept these storylines ticking over but this one it was like it just felt like they had cody 
they had the waiting room. They wanted shot dynamite. They were like, what storyline can we sort of do for Cody? Oh, let's bring that Jade Cargill in again. It felt a bit forced. It felt cringe. Um, it did make me laugh, though, when then all the females in the locker room came out and then you just saw Britt Baker on the sofa just laughing and videoing. Yeah, I've um, got that on yeah, my, I've got that on my notes. That, she stood up on the sofa and she was yeah. like, world star! <laughs> like, yeah. with her camera. That, that bit made me creased up. Um, but yeah, it just felt, yeah, cringy, forced, um, not as funny as it usually is. And See, it this, was land. My, this, was my, this was my introduction to uh, The Waiting Room. I, I don't watch Dark. I've never seen seen it before. So this, I, I take it this isn't a perfect example of uh, no, it's not. But I did like um, I did like when they then obviously got the Thunder Rosa promo, and then it got announced. Obviously, their match is going to happen that beach um, wedding that obviously Kip, Kip and Penelope are having. Um, the same show that's happening, and then I just like Brit's typical Brit fashion. I, I love how she where just... she's like, yeah, just like Tony. You said I did have to fire her, Tony, and it just ends on that way. And I just thought that was well, a really... no, after that she just she just flat out refused. She's like, nope, that's yeah, not happening. She, yeah, she <laughs> I like just... how like no, no one tried that before. Like, no, I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> no, I'm on the contract. Yeah. I'm not going to have it. I'm not gonna... Literally, you can put up a title it... card. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was a good little bit like to add to it. But yeah, so overall for that segment, if I had to give it like a rating out of five, I'd give it maybe a two. I thought Brit's part was good, but yeah, that sofa bit and then obviously the bit at the end. Cody didn't really even get that time to shine on what was meant to be his featuring. Um, and then, yeah, when Jade Cargill came out in all the, the women's locker room, it just felt, yeah, then cringe, and that ruined it for me. How long do they usually talk to the guests for? On It's usually about a 10-minute segment, Max, really. It's not really, it's get, not really like talking. Words, no, no, it wasn't. It's usually, it's not like an interview thing. It's not really the whole time. Usually there's some, like, commotion that breaks out, like I said, where... Kind of like start. a Jerry Springer kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what they're going for, really. But yeah, it's not it's not usually long, five, ten minutes, but yeah, it just didn't work for me. And I hope it doesn't put them off from doing it again. Um, but yeah, I think it, it, for me, did work better on Dark. Patrick, thoughts? Not much to add here. Also, first time for me uh, seeing it, because I'm also not watching Dark regularly, maybe in between once in a while. But I haven't watched Dark yet since it's uh, it found its place there. Yeah, like also the mixture mixture and the vibe they're bringing up. Of course, this Jerry Springer thing, but also in the beginning, this uh, Oprah uh, reference she was doing, like "Oh, look under the seats." Oh, I've got nothing there. So, yeah, typical Oprah. Although with an Oprah show, there is something below for the for the guests. Uh, but but I like the vibe of the show and everything. Curious now to see it. I'm gonna rewatch it on dark then. Uh, as Jack mentioned, that it's better there because I also think the output of or the outcome of everything was not that good because the Jade Cargill storyline is just not clinking for me at all. Also, and stop uh, asking me to care oh, about Jade I... Cargill. That's all I'm saying. Like they keep <laughs> expecting me to care yeah. about Jade Cargill. I can't. I, I can't care about Jade Cargill. I, they've got this. She's fe- her primary feud right now is with Brandy. So, but Brandy won't be able to wrestle because it's a very physical thing with attacking backstage. And obviously, they had Red Velvet filling in for her at the moment, which I'll probably do for a month or two. But like, she's not going to be able to wrestle for like a while. You know, nine month pregnancy and then like maternity leave or whatever. So, like, are you just going to try and keep this going? And the stuff with Shaq, like Shaq's not there. He's not showing up. Like, she's trying to remind people there's this this non-rivalry going on between Cody and Shaq just because it's Shaq so they have to keep that on the hook in case Shaq shows up but he's not showing up 
and you know this rivalry of brandy which i mean they, they can just let that go i don't i don't know anyone who who's that bothered if they if i don't i don't know anyone that's at home going i cannot believe they have let this rivalry between jade cargo and brandy Rhodes go down the drain like i can't see that happening <laughs> i don't know about you guys me neither me neither so the only good outcome of, of this whole segment in the end was the uh, Thunder Rosa vs. Britt Baker match, the announcement yeah, for it. Yeah, I mean, we've all been waiting for it. Really looking forward to that match, yeah, also. And I also like what Jack said also before, I like that how she was sneaking out. I didn't sign for that. No, it's not taking place. No, no, no. And then she's just leaving. Yeah. So it's really, really nice to see. Now, I think it's almost a year ago when this happened on the Jericho cruise with her and Anthony Shavoni. Uh, <laughs> Still don't, <laughs> don't Yeah, with his, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck yeah so that was the first time and uh, yeah, yeah w where she started like having her promos and where it started and they recognized like she's good on the mic but she's better when she's talking trash and yeah. when you see that now from from the year ago to now she's become so good on the mic such a legit heel being a real bitch um yeah i like that and also uh reba not not reba <laughs> with her on rebel, the side reba, reba, or the rebel. other Rebel Reba, Rebel not Reba. I don't know, but this is also a funny catchphrase with her. But yeah, with her on the side, that that's really good. I also was because I saw, I saw it first time. It was it was a little cringy, but I was laughing hard when she was in the yeah. background sitting and just laughing at her jokes with a real, really bad yeah. laugh. That was and, the that was yeah, the best I, I, bit I like of that of Reba yeah. slash Rebel. That was her best bit. I mean, I not to toot her own horns, but felt quite vindicated in our decision to make Britt Baker the most improved of the year because you look at, as you say, you look at how far she's come on the mic. When it comes to Reba slash Rebel, I thought her opening the show was pretty poor and that further reflected the, her opening the segment, sorry. She was a bit poor on the mic there and that kind of made Britt look even better by comparison, if I'm honest. But then when she, you know, she sat down and settled into this secondary role of just laughing at her jokes and stuff, I thought that was very funny. So there were some strengths in it. It wasn't all doom and gloom. Moving on to our next match, we had Jurassic Express versus FTR. What did you make of this match? I went to Jack first last time, so let's go to Patrick. Wonderful match. Um, I like FTR for really selling the moves of definitely smaller and less heavier guys, like uh, in this case Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. They did a real good yeah. job with that. That was great. This That's just how they're showing that they are really the best tech team in the world right now for me also and it, it well, just it was it such a nice oh, sorry go on sorry. yeah no sorry um did great storytelling also from it like, you know also you, you see it now i was watching it with you and he didn't know that uh, jungle boy had his old entrance theme from the indies the um from was GCW, it called again the, the song you? yeah uh is it called tarzan yeah. man i think it's like tarzan yeah, boy tarzan man tarzan, yeah, tarzan, tarzan boy i, I don't know from from one italian guy from the 80s or tarzan man Jungle Man, whatever. <laughs> Jungle Man and Jack uh, Perry. Yeah, I whatever. remember. I, I, <laughs> Tarzan yeah, Boy. Him, it's you, called Tarzan, Tarzan Boy. Tarzan Boy. From, from okay. using it, I remember him using it on Joe Janela's Spring Break. I, I assume he used it in GCW in general. Uh, but it always it hyped me up when I saw him use it there, and I was I was really glad he was using it. Are they using it as the theme for Jurassic Express in general, or were they just trying to show off we've got this music when you use this music, and then introducing them kind of separately, or? Like, what's going to happen to the, of you know, their usual theme? I think they're keeping it. Uh, this was, I think it's just, just because Jungle Boy was introduced first, or like you said, maybe they're just showing off now this time. 
because they were also yeah they were introduced also as Jurassic Express although um, Jungle Boy was firstly introduced by uh, Justin Roberts is what I got I was like oh cool he gets his own entrance and they came out together and I'm like okay weird but it's nice to show it off I think in the beginning but they should keep like when they're really Jurassic Express they should keep the Jurassic Express theme and then um, keep going for Jungle Boy for his own theme yeah because also like this is what I like when Jungle Boy has his own theme this shows now uh, that he might be up for singles run or so that they're considering him for this and this is very important to build his own uh, character a little more we know his character Uh, JR broke his character over the year for him (laughs) and yeah right and also yeah in the match before the match now it was 2019 the match against uh, chris jericho where he started talking because his gimmick in the beginning was that he also doesn't talk like uh, like tarzan who doesn't talk in the beginning yeah. because he's not used to humans and talking i like that but now also when they broke character and now giving me a little little more of this gimmick thing back it's like standalone thing that you recognize that there are not all this Jurassic Express group that everyone is also a singles wrestler and everyone is good as a singles wrestler or as a tag team you can see in this match again. Uh, that's very important for me. So I like that a lot. You would think he'll have the TNT title within the next couple of reigns, wouldn't you? Or at least the next couple of people to hold it. You expect it to either be the next or the one after that, I, I would imagine. Shall yeah. we come to you, yeah. Jack? Also. What did you make of this match? And then I shall give my opinions, which I'm sure we're all very excited about. Yeah, I, I loved it. Um, I got I got very excited hearing the entrance music, not just because, like, I don't actually remember too much hearing Jungle Boy's music being that, um, personally. But just I thought it fitted in really well, and it and it did get me hyped for a little bit. I thought it was a really nice kind of sing along one, like you said, it was going to be Tom, a bit like just, yeah, wait, just yeah. wait until you hear a crowd yeah. onto it, give me goosebumps like, back in, yeah. I thought I mean, was... ECW crowds are one of the best. I mean, they're the new ECW crowds, you know what I mean? So they're mm. one of the best in wrestling. And, and if, I mean, AEW have great crowds as well. I mean, it's hard to remember now because it was so long ago we had full crowds. But I can imagine that is going to go down a storm once we're back to full crowds. For sure. It just sounded really good. Um, and then, yeah, FT, it's like when when Jurassic Express came out and I heard that music, I was like, oh, yeah, this is like hype Jurassic Express are out. Yeah, Jungle Boy, Marco Stunt. Um, I was yeah getting hyped for both of them, and then FTR came out, and obviously you hear their music, and I was just like, oh yeah, now nah, this is going to be an FTR win. Like <laughs> the hype was still there. Obviously, it was a big match. Quite um, yeah, um, but I thought the match in general was really good. I like um, I like how how we expected last week. Marco stunt so good at being able to kind of put on a good performance and make the other guys still look really kind of dominant, I think, like the word. I'm kind of Basically, he's really good at selling, like, the other team's moves sort of thing. You know, well, do you know what I... Is, yeah, no, I know what you mean, but and this is what I was expecting going in, that he'd just be selling all over the shop and they'd be throwing him around mm. like a ragdoll. Didn't really pan out that way for me so much. He, I mean, there was a couple of big, big spots, like... But one of them was completely independent, really, of any input from FTR. It was that that move they did where he springboarded off. Do you know the one I'm talking about? He's uh, 
Jungle Boy rolled down onto like his back and springboarded Marco. Off yeah. Him, and then he did some sort of like sent on or something off the back of that, and it was pretty. It was pretty spectacular. Uh, the other one was the finish with the the big rig, as it's called now, in honor of Brody Lee. Uh, he sold the heck out of that. But I mean, for me, uh, and it did get a this is awesome chant, and so I agree, it was a good match. But he, not so much with Dax, but with Cash, I felt that Marco Stump was kind of kicking his ass a bit too badly. But no, yeah, for me, overall, good match, enjoyed it, one of my favourites of the night. FTR look still like the best tag team in the world, or at least one of them, you could argue, still, you, you could have an argument for days about who's the best. Um, but Jurassic Express and even Marcus Dunk and Jungle Boy, which obviously isn't the, the combination you're used to um, out of that um, group, um, still looked awesome. And I still would like to see them eventually tag together, not just always Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. I'd like to see, obviously, and I'd like to see Marcus Dunk get involved. I still think he's a good wrestler. He's a yeah. good wrestler. I think he does work better in, in six-man tags. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. They, where they can use him as the impact guy. Because, I mean... I don't know if, well, I don't know if how much of WWE you watched back then, but I remember back in the Shield, Roman Reigns worked really well as the Impact guy because he's he didn't have a very wide and still to this day doesn't, if I may say so myself, <laughs> have a very wide repertoire of moves. So he worked really well when Ambrose could be taken a beat in, uh, well now John Moxley, and then you know Seth would come in and do some flashy stuff, and then at the end of the match is when they'd get the hot tag to Roman. He'd come in, he'd do a couple of punches that set up, that set someone up for the kind of triple powerbomb. And so you you've got impact guys like that who are big, and then at the complete opposite end of the scale, in a in a funny way, I think Marco Stunt is like an impact guy. They would you know in six man tags they would have Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy would take that role that kind of that Moxley did in the Shield where he got beat down for a lot of the match but he can still competently and convincingly you know throw hands as well whereas Marco he would get he gets tagged in and he's he gets the hot tag do you know what I mean and they throw him at this guy and they yeet him at someone else and then he you know does like some mad triple team move and then and then he kind of runs into a big foot and gets knocked down. But mm. like for that moment, he takes the hot tag, and I think I think that's his better role, to be honest. Where rather than them trying to sell him as a kind of legit guy, yeah, that's really hurting, you know, the opponent mm. significantly. But that's just my opinion. I get yeah, and yeah, just to my final point. Yeah, Jungle Boy, I agree with you. Has to have be within the next title reign, or well, within the next couple of raids with the TNT belt it's got to be happening for me um, because he looks legit right that takes us on to Serena Deeb versus Tay Conti uh, with Anna Jay I'm going to talk about this one first rather than going to either of you because this was my match of the night yeah I said it over over the main one this I, I wrote down one of the things I wrote down on my notes was I love this like halfway through I just I couldn't I spoke out loud two or three times like this is awesome like okay so I know you're a big fan of your flippy shit as we would say in the biz Jack you like you know your 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 luchas you like your Ray Phoenix nothing wrong with that like Ray you know there's it's an art form into itself but and like sometimes it's hard to appreciate the technical side of wrestling if I was to tell someone this is why technical wrestling is so exciting I would point them to this match Serena D versus Take Conti it was it was great there was there was amazing mat wrestling it had uh, such a high work rate for a technical match 
and they just gelled together so well. I mean, Serena Deeb is like a low-key legend in wrestling. She's one of those legends that's not really appreciated as a legend by the wider wrestling audience. It's kind of like Shinsuke Nakamura got into the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame well, like years and years and years ago. Like I think he was still active in New Japan at this point where he's being recognized as a actual active legend in the business. And, you know, we we see him as a main eventer in New Japan, sure, maybe not so much in WWE, but like people within the business really respect him and think this guy's a legend. And I think that's how people see Serena Deeb within the business as well. And you can see why when it comes to matches like this, with her, how good she is at putting other girls over and how good she is at making people look like stars. And Tay Conti has this repertoire of moves from judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu stuff she does as well. It just, it just, it was the perfect storm. It was a great, great technical match. Um, I'm going to come to Patrick first because I see him nodding. What did you make of this? Completely agree. Um, yeah. That was maybe the show stealer of the night, <clears throat> and the real, probably best technical match of 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 the whole evening. Uh, although the many men where we easily, later come to was also best technical match. great. Was also great, but for another uh, reason. But this was technically sure. great. One thing I want to say directly in the beginning. There were, I, I think it doesn't. I don't think it was a uh, wardrobe malfunction, but I didn't like that the uh, pants from uh, Tay Conti were this far up. Um, obviously, I like her. She's. Attractive, I wasn't, oh, I'm not but... sure whether you were allowed. To, uh, yeah, I'm not sure whether you were allowed to mention. No, no, we can, we can talk about it. I just it's, don't like it. It does take me out of the it's match. It's very distracting. Like, yeah, really. And I'm not, I'm not watching wrestling for for this uh, type of stuff. Uh, they can dress nicely and everything, but it shouldn't be too obviously provocative, whatever, to show off the body. Because this is also the reason why I'm not watching WWE anymore. Because you had these divas there, and this whole diva thing back in the Attitude Era and uh, Ruthless Aggression Era was just super annoying to me. Because I like women wrestling, women's wrestling. Uh, yeah, that's just what I like. I don't want to be just distracted from it. If I want to see something like this, I just go to her OnlyFans account or whatever, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's my hashtag. Thing about it hashtag. Hashtag. Like pat to the mat. Cancel Pat. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. No. I mean, of course. Uh, conservative not, German. Exactly. Not to. Not to. Slut shame. I think is the word. But yeah. No. Um. It, she's. A, she's a well endowed woman. So it's. It. It can be distracting. But. Yeah. I mean. Less said about. I, I dodged. I dodged two bullets today. It was. It was only a matter of time before one of them hit me. Moving on. No, she, it was. Uh, it was. It was a fantastic match, though. The technical, the technical wrestling. I was worried was just going to be a match opener. Was just going to be something they were doing at the beginning of the match to get it going. I was like, please don't let them just move on to rest holds and you know, uh, the sports entertainment style wrestling or whatever. And it didn't. It didn't stop. It was just the whole way through. And I was so happy about that. My only complaint is it didn't last long enough. It, it was it was it felt a bit short for a championship match. I could have watched I could have watched a match three times that long of, of more of that. Um I gave it a four point five on the uh five five star rating. Uh two point five off because of how long it last you know how short it was and two point five off because there wasn't really a story there to get invested in. But even so yeah, no, great. As a match, as a standalone match, this is flawless, I think. What about you, Jack? Yeah, I also really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good technical match, like you said. Um, and as as you mentioned prior, I am more usually of a uh, lucha style wrestling. But yeah, for me, um, this was just, as you mentioned, just a really good technical match to watch. Um, I, I enjoyed both wrestlers. Uh, before this match, I definitely enjoyed them during the match, and I'll still be enjoying them after it. Gave me a good account for both wrestlers, good match to watch. 
some really good um, points in each match. Um, obviously, you knew Tay Conti wasn't going to win, but you still felt like during the match there was moments she could. Yeah, Serena D, just a really good champ as well. But yeah, and I hope this is still just the building of Tay Conti for bigger and better things. Well, Tay Conti justifying her position as third place on our breakthrough female of the year. And also um, Serena Deeb was in the conversation. I know she was on Patrick's list for female wrestler of the year. So, I mean, makes a lot of sense when you see it. And they work so well together. And I would put the women's title on Serena Deeb. And I know that's a big controversial statement because she's a champion for another company. But I would do that and let her... Because she, she may Tay Conti look like a star, right? In one match, she may Tay Conti look like the future of the division. So put, do similar thing to what Cody tried to do with the TNT title, which I actually think Serena Deeb would be more successful at. Give her the women's title, she'll be a dual champion. She'll look legit coming out with two belts. She'll look like a boss. And just have her go out every match and do that to everybody. Make everybody look that good. And that's what I'd do. And that's how, you know, obviously we've talked about maybe them bringing girls in from Impact and doing something there, especially with the knockouts championships coming soon. Uh, the Knockouts Tag Team titles are coming back this, well, tomorrow are Hard to Kill, I think. So with that, I mean, you've got like Anna Jay and Tay Conti who could who could go for them. You've got Diamante and Ivelisse. But, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff they could do there with crossing over with Impact. But even if they don't do that, They've got they've got a winner here if they just put Serena Deeb in more. I mean, user, do you know what I mean? Because NWA Power's not on the air right now, is it? I assume. So you know, use what you've got. Sorry for the interruption. I just had to Google her to uh, Serena Deep to make sure. So she was in the end just just a trainer. That's what you have to t say. That just at the performance center. But I also saw in the same article yeah. she was in the Straight Edge Society well, with Simon and Luke Gallows. Wow, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, she had a head shaved. Yeah. Yeah, she posed as someone in the audience and then got her head shaved. Um, she was also in the yeah. May Young Classic, the first one, I believe. No, she was yeah, right, really, she was also in there. But then, like I said, really underutilized for just being a, a trainer because or coach because she's way better than this, especially when she's on camera. She can, like now, like you said now, that she can really uh, show off, uh, sh make the other wrestler look good. In this case, uh, take Conti even look better um and bring such a strong power then to it you know like really with her with her experience that's that's very important and this is what i like about aw hope they're also using sting in some kind of way like this well we'll get onto that in a minute that's a nice segue into our next match darby allen versus brian cage now this was this was contender for match of the night for me but there were a few missteps also in my opinion as well as some Fucking amazing wrestling, excuse my language. <laughs> Great, awesome spots. Uh, let's go to Jack, because I believe I went to Patrick before on that one. What did you make of this main event, Jack? Yeah, um, really solid main event. Um, loved the start where Brian Cage, for me, looked like he was just like throwing about Derby like a ragdoll. Especially having Taz on commentary, I thought at the start when I saw him, I was like, well, that's obviously going to bring a biased take to it that I might not enjoy as much, um, but I, I thought it actually added to it because there was parts in the match as well that he actually wasn't being biased and he actually picked up the mistakes like Brian Cage was making in the match and he was like, oh, no, you shouldn't have done that and like all this sort of stuff to make it like Brian Cage isn't this god that he was like obviously portraying him to be. <clears throat> and yeah, in terms of like a story, if you're picturing the match as a story, yeah, it was like, you go into the match at the start, 
bigger guys throwing about the smaller guy. The smaller guy has that never say die attitude and comes out and then, yeah, gets the win. And I really enjoyed it. Again, one of the matches for me. I think you've got about three contenders probably match of the night with FDR Jungle, uh, Jurassic Express, the women's match, and this one. I think they've all got shouts. Probably more the women's match in this one. I think we're probably the top two, but still, obviously, Jurassic Express and FDR are in there as well. And um, yeah, I think I think we all knew Dar- all knew Derby was going to retain the title, but that still didn't put off for this like being a really solid match. And I I'm interested to see what they do with Brian Cage now because now he's had two title shots. He's and he's lost both of them. So yeah, so where does he go now? Obviously, still with ta- Team Taz. So yeah, I'm just interested to know a storylines. Any potential storylines you guys reckon could happen now? Well, let's go to Patrick. Uh, would you like to answer that? Do you think where do you think they go from here? And more, well, moreover, what did you make of the match as well? Yeah, Jake pointed that really out good uh, with the uh, where, where where is he going now? Because he lost now two t- title matches. I was also thinking during the match that he won the uh, what is that like the poker chip at uh, at uh, what was a double or nothing? And um, yeah, they they didn't utilize it. Although the match, like let's say first, the match was was uh, really good. Was not perfect. I also have to say, maybe like you'll come to your critique points later, Tom. But um, I liked it in general. This was what I was expecting. That <laughs> Darby Allen gets totally crashed. Uh, yeah, the moment when uh, Brian Cage completely threw him off uh, of the ring into the uh, into the table. That, what what I was expecting, complete carnage. Like he's really reckless with his body. Also, Darby Allen. Uh, I like that. I also like that uh, Brian Cage tries to smash him. Um, it makes him more look in the end for this this fighting back uh, that he's a that he's a champion that he's indestructible that his image of this like reckless indestructible guy keeps on on being strong. Uh, what I did not like is uh, that Brian Cage was a little too over at one point that he looked way too strong uh, that a guy almost half his his weight. Uh, can really win it then in I'd say in real short time he was turning the match around and the match finish was not that good although I liked the move but for me that was not a not a finishing move yeah that's what I think so far okay so I have a lot to say about this match um, this is to this week what Hikaru Shida versus Abaddon was for me last week um, not not in the same sense because I thought this was a really good match I give it four out of five just not slightly worse than the women's not as good as the women's match but it yeah it was a really it was a great match I'd go as far as saying but it could have been a spectacular match do you know what I mean first off I've got to agree with Patrick that table spot for one was brutal I mean the table exploded I've never seen a table break like that it was just I don't know how hard he threw him into it or whether it was gimmick like that but that was mental and like Darby bladed was he also blading then sorry yeah yeah was he blading yeah, yeah, I believe he was blading uh, off the table spot. Yeah. And that's the first time I, I I looked at it, I was like, yeah, I believe it. Like, if there's, if there's ever a table spot that would bust someone open, I was like, that's the one. Because like, usually if someone goes for a table and then blade, I was like, I'd be like, come on. But like the way it exploded, I was like, yeah, I absolutely believe that that could have, that could have destroyed his face. It, I'm surprised he's alive. Like it just, it just, it was like a grenade hit in the ground. Um, just to add on to what you said about how reckless he is with his body. I mean, sure, you can look at that and say he's reckless, but I think for the most part, that was a safe spot. What I don't think was a safe spot was the coffin drop on the steps where the edge of it was so very clearly exposed and if he didn't get his body flat in the air like he did 
his spine is easily going into that edge. Like Brian Cage wasn't covering the edge of that. He was there wasn't any kind of soft. Well, I mean Brian Cage is probably not a soft feeling guy, but do you know what I mean. Softer than the edge of edge of some steel steps. There wasn't any kind of flesh yeah, there definitely. to land on if, if he got that wrong. Yeah, I was I was also very concerned about that to be honest. That was that was uh, yeah that, that that was really tough. Like also, Hugh, I have to mention Hugh again, but he will be on our podcast also. Uh, hopefully one day <laughs> and uh, but he also he directly said like dude i was thinking he's missing that completely because if he missed that just by a few centimeters or if you're listening from the us inches uh, this could have broken his neck or really like yeah caused serious damage to him because this edge was completely exposed and even though it these are these like what what, what are like aluminum light steel steps which are not really i mean it's still it's still it's still not heavy the edge so. is still not going to give whatever right. it's made of the edge is not going to give right so that's that's uh, still very very dangerous um just beat by beat i was a fan of how it started i loved how derby just shot out of the blocks because that's how you would start if you were this small guy against this big guy you've got to just surprise him you've got to go the element of surprise you could just start beating on him like a dog like i i appreciated that how it started i was less appreciative of something that started emerging in the mid-match which was okay so brian cage as we just established obliterated darby allen through a table he, you know, he beats on him some more. He does these just huge, gruesome spots. Like, I think he did some sort of F5. I don't know if it was intentionally like a modified F5, like a pile driver kind of thing that dropped him on his head, or whether that was just how Darby sold it. But he was, you know, he, he was killing him. And then Darby kicks out a one. And then, okay, like, I wasn't a big fan of that, but, like, let's let it slide. Then Brian Cage keeps beating on him. He hits a power bomb on him to the outside of the ring. He then does an inside, an outside in suplex over the ropes. Darby kicks out at one again. Like, I don't think he needs to be doing that. I don't. I think. I think kicking out at two from the way Brian Cage was treating him, kicking out at two is enough to sell that kind of spirit of John Cena, never give up attitude that they were going for. Do you know what I mean? I don't think he needs the kick out at one there. I think all that served to do was to have this big guy in there and making us believe this big guy is kicking the shit out of this this smaller guy and then just making him look weak by having him kick out a one. Like I said, I think you get exactly the same effect for Derby, the positive effect for Derby, by having him kick out a two repeatedly than having him repeatedly kick out a one. To All you're doing is making your making your, your other boy look like nothing, aren't you? Like if this yeah, is... If definitely, he's especially when it's Brian Cage. Yeah. yeah, man. Especially when it's Brian Cage who is like double the size as him and a real monster. It's just like... Also, like like I said before, he uh, now lost uh, his title match, in his AW title match, and this title match, and in the end, he just looks weak. But this is the thing, and and from this match, Brian Cage is a star. I saw I saw some I saw glimpses of Lucha Underground Brian Cage in this. Do you know what I mean? With the, he he did a combination in the corner at one point where I think he did like I don't know it was like an enziguri or something, and then so he, it was another move in there. It was like a three move combo, and then he finished it with like a German suplex out of the corner or something. It's some beautiful work. He's he's a really good wrestler. Um, and he's got I don't know how hot he is on the mic, but he's got Taz as a mouthpiece, so that doesn't matter. You know they could be doing they could be doing things with him. And then they're not really. I mean, they're they're trying to give him these kind of squash matches on I assume on dark to to give him such a good record. But no, I mean they're just they're just missing a trick with him on the main roster, I think. And this match didn't help. Want to come back to what you said about the finish? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> he he get he 
he goes down off a crucifix pin off the second rope, and the announced team try to sell it as Darby using his weight against him. If if that's the case, then why doesn't every big man just get pinned by a crucifix pin? If this is this is the bane of big, why why do we want to see like Big Show going down to like crucifix pins? Because that guy's you know they're selling him as five hundred pounds, or they used to be. So like, why is everyone just not trying to hit Big Show with a crucifix pin because he won't be able to kick out of it because he's heavy? Do you know what I mean? And we're supposed to believe that Brian Cage can't kick out his own body weight when we just saw him, which I mean to focus on a positive because I'm being pretty negative we just saw him like bench press Darby up onto the top rope or there's all the second do you remember that spot where he he kicked out of a pin and he kicked out the pin so hard that Darby flew up on was propelled up onto the ropes which I thought was an awesome spot just as as an aside but then we're supposed to go from that to Brian Cage can't kick out his own weight do you know what I mean it's 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 a bit weird I mean what did you make of it Jack yeah no that's what I I love this podcast because you pick up points like that that Initially, I didn't think to talk about, it, but yeah, no, hundred percent get that. It was, I did I, when they said it, it it did like register with me. It was like when they when they mentioned obviously using his own weight against him. Oh, that's like so clever. No, yeah, no, 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 I agree. No. I agree because I agree because you look at him and you think, yeah, being a big guy, it might be hard if you're just yeah had your hands taken away if you have your arms taken away like I, I was watching it too and think that is fundamentally sound like it probably would be quite hard for him to move out of that maybe harder than it would be for a smaller guy but to, to my point why not just always do that then yeah against the big guys and why not you know and and like if you're setting that as a standard then you know i don't know if that's a good thing yeah i just don't see it as a thing that really works i think if you're gonna have a small guy beat a big guy You've got to be like ruthless, and you've got to use your like pace to your like advantage. You could be doing all these quick fire, building up that momentum, like building on it. You got to have a couple failed pins, but you got to keep on going. Maybe like even two, three coffin drops for him would have won that match or whatever. It just kind of seemed like it. Yeah, go New, New Japan style, hit him with like two or three. Finishes. Yeah, yeah, it didn't feel like a small guy beating a big guy match. It felt like just. It felt like. Like they made the whole big deal about doing the weigh-in last week to register the size difference, and then Darby gets the pin, and it doesn't really feel like he got the pin, and it was such a big deal based on the size. It just felt like he just got the pin, and it didn't like Dar- and Brian couldn't get out. When realistically, the size Brian Cage is on a regular pin, he would just get out, wouldn't he? But yeah, no. Finish aside, it was a good match. Feel like. We, when we talk negative, we, we talk about the negatives. We run a risk of making it seem like it wasn't a good match. It was a good match. It was a great match. Second best match of the night for me. It was, um, yeah, it was it it was it was good. It wasn't fantastic, but it was it was a really good match. After the match, Sting comes out again. Well, he actually came out towards the end of the match to deal with Ricky Starks, didn't he? But <laughs> I feel like I, again, I've got to come back to what Conan was saying, in you know, and said he was talking about on his podcast do something with Sting you know even when they're doing something with Sting it doesn't feel like they're really doing something with Sting like he you know he came out to even the odds it was a very you know it was a very basic save if that makes sense you know like Scott he comes he's there he just evens the odds and then that's you know he didn't do anything with he's not really been on the mic much he didn't do anything noteworthy with Derby in the ring afterwards <laughs> yeah I mean it's, it is what it is what, what did what did you make of it yeah, definitely. Um, also, uh, they finally did something with him, and then it's just this small interaction he's really, really doing because still not saying anything, just standing there, just 
everything's dark and he's coming out then and it just well, this is what i liked he was like it turned black and then bright again and then he was directly standing there in the middle of the entrance so i was like okay that's that's cool that was quick uh but in the end they, they didn't use it so good yet so i hope they they just pick up the speed a little bit with them and just uh, make something out of it I just add this. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, I just, I was saying, it almost feels like they don't want to do anything with Sting because it feels like they're doing the same thing with Sting like three weeks in a row, having him come out, stare down people, and then everyone online is like, do something with Sting, do something with Sting. And they're like, oh, fine, we'll do something with Sting and then do the absolute bare minimum. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It almost feels like that, like a like a moody teenager, like reluctantly complying, like malicious compliance sort of thing. Now, what, what I was going to say um, was I was actually annoyed with the Sting interest now. It had its positives for me. Like Patrick said, the lights went out and it went bright again. He was just there. That's what we wanted, that element of surprise, because before there was an element of surprise there. What I also liked is we'd been moaning this whole time about how he's been approaching the ring slowly and stuff, and he doesn't do anything. He just stares. He actually used the bat this time, which I was happy to see. Like He actually got involved. They're the only two positives, unfortunately. The one thing that did annoy me was this was Derby's kind of, this was Derby's first, title defense this was his big match he's just he, he's the he's the title um he's the champ and he was the underdog in that match now he's just won and the end wasn't about that and there was no derby music celebrating there was no him like celebrating it was just the the whole match then ended with oh yeah stings here again and stings music cut and it was all blue in the snow and that's how it ended it was like derby's just like won the match like and we're here talk about Sting like we're not even talking about the Derby win and we're not even getting like the shots of Derby with the title again and the Derby music and it's just like oh Derby's won the title oh but here's Sting again let's focus on Sting this is our big thing at the moment like that it just annoyed me a little bit yeah I agree if you're going to detract from Derby's win in any way that's cool that's fine it happens in wrestling you know you've got to fit everyone in you've got to further storylines but at least do something with the Sting thing do you know what I mean at least at least progress it in some way beyond like I like Derby, I don't like Team Taz do you know what I mean, do something beyond that to give us something to talk about for next week and you know but yeah, all in all good match um, you know keeping Sting on telly which is is fine uh, I would like to see them do more with this storyline I would like them to explain what this connection is between Sting and Derby Allen beyond the fact that we both wear black and white face paint, do you know what I mean but we've talked about that before. I'm sure we'll talk about it again until AEW give us a uh, reason to be invested in this partnership. On to a preview of next week. We have, well, they're not called Proud and Powerful anymore, are they? Santana and Ortiz versus Jericho and MGF versus Sammy Guevara and Jake Hager. I think we're all excited about this match. We touched on it a little bit in the rest of the show. Jack especially is nodding away. Then we've got Matt Seidel and Top Flight versus Matt Hardy and Private Party. Then we've got Negative One's birthday celebration match. Hangman Page and the Dark Order, which is, I believe, John Silver, Alex Reynolds, and Colt Cabana versus Chaos Project and TH2. We will have an update on the Miro and Chucky T situation. We'll have Nyla Rose in action for the first time in a little while, I think, since her last title match. Versus Layla Hirsch, we will have John Moxley in action. And this wasn't mentioned in the show, but potentially some fallout from Hard to Kill, you have to imagine. What are we looking forward to next week, lads? I'm going to be honest, it's hard to pick a highlight out of that one. Um, for me, it's the inner circle triple threat. Um, yeah, but the others, I'm a bit... I was like, when you were reading them out there, there's some there's some good stuff, don't get me wrong. There's some good 
good wrestlers. I'm looking forward to watching. Yeah, like I said, the Inner Circle Triple Threat's going to get me hooked the most. Um, looking forward to watching Private Party again and Matt Seidel. Uh, and to- yeah, no, that that whole match in general is going to be good. I don't think it's going to be an amazing match. It's not going to be one where we're like, this was the match of the night. Um, but it'll be one where we'll be like, it was a good match. Nyla Rose and Layla Hurst. Looking forward to seeing Layla. Again, in action, not as much Nyla Rose. I'm hoping it's not just a match to make Nyla look good to them, keep her relevant, but not really. Actually, I suspect there'll be, I suspect there'll be uh, some decent match time in there. I, yeah. I really hope it's not a squash. Yeah, uh, we, um, we already established AEW doesn't really do squashes, but I hope it isn't an AEW squash, if that makes sense. That's it. Um, and actually, just a quick toucher, and I know hopefully Patrick's feeling the same way, Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero's bits on BTE are just the weirdest thing going on right now and i'm being honest it's pretty much like a prostitution bit and i'm really weirded out by it by the fact that vicky guerrero went up to who was it <laughs> you're completely she, right sorry yeah. yeah no no she 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 was wearing what could only be a like it was like a nun outfit which is it obviously was based on a previous episode so i don't like got no problem with that they used it for a previous episode and then she goes over to i can't remember who specifically and it's, it's obviously to get a donation because she's trying to get money because she's dressed as a nun. She can just get money for charity. And she's trying to get money. And then all you see on the camera is just her then just like pick her boobs up like that. And then, and then she like gets like maybe like $5 or whatever. And I was like, what have I just watched? That's just weird of me. Like seeing Vicky Grail like just push her boobs up to then get $5 to run away. And then Nyla Rose like goes off, tries to do it, and then just ends up punching someone. It's just a really weird bit. They're both dressed as nuns. It really weirded me out. And yeah, Nyla Rose, I'm just... Yeah, that's the only way I could describe it. I hope I've done it justice. Um, go check it I out. I feel like I should keep not watching BTEs. So <laughs> describing this shit to me. Like, no, because it's just weird. But yeah, no, I'm based, not... on, based on Nyla Rose's Twitter, I am not surprised by this in the least. Um, she, she has a very weird Twitter. It's, it's weird and sexual are the two words yeah. I would describe it as. No, she's just it's just weird. But yeah, so... Yeah, the Dark Order match I'm looking forward to as well. Not as much looking forward to seeing Chaos Project, but I'm looking forward to seeing TH2 again. John Moxley in action, that'll be good. Love seeing Mox, obviously. And I wonder if the Moxley in action thing is is uh, a, a Moxley in action rather than Moxley versus whoever, because, again, we're going to be waiting for some fallout from Hard to Kill. Yeah, that's... Who knows? Like, I, I, I've got to imagine it will affect story... Well, it will affect storylines on Dynamite, but it's got to affect some matches down the road. Um, the only thing is, will there be any quarantine involved going back and forth? I'm yeah. not sure. That's the only thing. But then the Good Brothers have been going back and forth, haven't they? Well, I haven't... N- not really, actually, because I've watched I watched a couple of... I watched Genesis, Impact Genesis, and mm. and I think I watched one or two weeklies before that. I'm, I'm hard to keep track. And well, Carl, Carl Anderson just had a match with um, one of the mates from Motor Seat Machine Guns. He had that last week. He's schooling me. That's it. Um, he had a match. But, but, yeah, no, but before two, that, yeah. before that, I, I see the only th- the thing you don't know is you don't know in what order they're taping them. Do you know? What yeah, I mean? you that's know, true. You don't know when they're taping these impacts. I know they're pre-taping some episodes of AEW. They're still doing some live, but mm. one or two of them, especially with this at the beginning of the year, there was at least one episode pre-taped. I remember hearing because they're mo- they're they're filming somewhere else soon, aren't they? Yeah, I heard about that. Moving, yeah, yeah, and I, I know there's going to be some pre-taping going on around. I don't know whether that means pre-taping some at Daily's place or pre-taping yeah. one at the new place, but I know there will be some pre-taping involved. So it's hard to keep a timeline of whether people are quarantining or not. Mm. But I, I do remember not seeing the Good Brothers on Impact when I've watched a few times, or, or if I did see them, they were in. It was with Kenny and his bus, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I get you. But yeah, going back to just the the question you posed. 
Um, what am I looking forward to? Yeah, probably the inner circle triple threat. So, but I, I, well, I don't know why I'm calling it triple threat. It's not six man tag. It's a triple threat. It's a triple tag. tag. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's my most hyped. So I'll pass over to Patrick now. We can to discuss his. I really don't have anything to add to next week's episode, like from my outlook to it, but. Um, I don't know if you guys also I don't know actually I, I don't know yet we, we'll see it then like because they're not all matches are announced yet I think um, like the Moxley one Moxley in action okay that's just like you know and Miro gives an update but um, when I'm scrolling through it I'm just maybe mostly looking forward to the uh, inner circle match that's really it so but i'm i'm yeah i'm not, not focused on that I, i'm mostly like i'm like oh, okay let's see what next week comes and then when the show starts and i see which matches are coming i'm like oh that's good oh yeah that's good so <laughs> mostly i'm blending it out for a week what's happening if like there's like a bigger main event like this week or you know then mostly mostly i'm just okay this might happen so but uh match wise just the inner circle where i'm most looking forward to it the dark order match will get a bigger build-up, I guess, on Monday and on BTE. And uh, then we see the other ones happening. Also, also, yeah, that's what I have to say, that Layla Hirsch comes in again. That I was happy about seeing that because I want to see her. I just hope it's not a squash match, but I'm afraid it will be. Uh, but I think uh, Jack... <laughs> yeah, that's what, I think Jack said everything you need to say about like Nyla Rose and, and stuff right now. But what I wanted to come to also now is like, I don't know if, if you also saw this, uh, Bleacher Roll, uh, no, no, not not Bleacher Roll, Bleacher Report app. Why'd you call it Bleacher uh, no, Roll? Bleacher... Where did you get that from? You did that last time as well. Bleacher Roll. What is Bleacher Roll? Isn't that this? what is Bleacher Roll? Yeah. I don't know. What is Bleacher Roll? Okay, let's just Google, uh, Google it quickly. This can be a funny bit for the show. What is Bleacher Roll? In the end, it's uh, it's a weird it's hentai it's website. Just you've made up. <laughs> There's nothing. Yeah, really. There is Maybe nothing. I'm mixing it up. What? What is? What is? Let me just think. What is the? Uh, what is the it's, Netflix for animes called again? Uh, it sounds like something you'd eat in prison when you've run out of other condiments. It's <laughs> like... Okay. Oh, that's good. Or no, like a just that, no, like, like, Yeah, like, like, a, like, like, like a hazing or something. You just shove a, a roll <laughs> dipped in bleach. And, oh, man, they gave him the bleacher roll. <laughs> what, the, what the fuck, man? You, you uh, did it last week as okay. well. Yeah, I don't know why. Bleacher Report, Patrick. Anyway, where are you going? Bleacher Report. Yeah, the Bleacher Report said that they're streaming on their app the AEW Dynamites Awards on on 27th of January. Well, we beat them to it. Did you hear about this already? Yeah, I I can just quickly drop the... No, uh, I hadn't heard about it, to be honest. We'll we'll watch it. Yeah, they have it. Like, even Shaquille O'Neal will be one of the... uh, of the hosts for one award so they're just giving out awards mostly best moment on the mic biggest surprise breakout star male female biggest beatdown high fly award hardest moment to clean up after really weird so don't um, even, biggest don't, you wtf don't even moment that. you don't even need to watch that just listen to our podcast Obviously. yeah right okay. like here also like the, the categories are not as good as ours they also have a lol award and the best twitter follow oh that's um, very we slammy slammy awards like yeah energy, also the biggest say. wtf moment uh, then i have to say like because you can still listen to a very good special episode we recorded and which might be up now when you're listening to it it really depends on things we cannot foresee but uh, there's we did one thing people. we completely it does say we're unprofessional in our in our bio <laughs> but there's one thing we completely missed there's a, a nomination for uh the biggest wtf moment is semi guevara 
got hit by, hit by a golf car and it was 2020. That's the biggest uh, thing we missed, yeah. I guess, in our award show. I, I, uh, I thought yeah, it was no, that 2019 should, that should have been still. In the top three, but I think we, I think we all collectively yeah. forgot him getting hit by the the golf. Not not forgot him getting hit by the golf cart, but forgot it being in 2020, as you say. I think we all kind yeah. of yeah. compartmentalized yeah. that as something that happened before this kind of window of voting. But yeah, Somehow I have to agree with that. you and say, I have to agree with you and say, I'm excited to see Layla Hirsch. I'm actually, I'm semi excited to see Nyla Rose, and I know. Right, well, just hear me out here. Like, I'm always interested to see what's going on with her because she appears so sporadically and she showed up and she was so ring rusty before. And I desperately wanted to do good because she's like, they need to invest, you know, in women now. But like, she's like an OG of the women's division. She was one of those that was Riho, Nida Rose, and Sheeda and stuff like that. So I just, I wanted to be good just for the fact that then they wouldn't need to build a big star from the ground up or a big heel from the ground up. So I wanted to just like get her shit together and be a really good wrestler, and you know, and and there is good storytelling possibilities in her matches with the size of her compared to the girl she's wrestling. But it's just, come on, like. But yeah, I don't know if it was just just ring rust last time, but she was moving quite slowly. Whether that was just lack of, you know, having matches, or whether she's been laying off in training a bit. But I wasn't impressed last time. I'm hoping to be a little bit more impressed this time. I'm intrigued to see how her style works with Layla Hirsch. That I would say is the one I'm looking to the forward the forward to the most, especially off the back of a good women's match this week. I mean, I don't, I'm not under any illusions. This one will be as good, especially seeing as Nyla Rose made it onto our what third was she third third worst wrestler of the year after behind Luther and Brandy Rhodes. But um, you know, strange things have happened, and that I think just about wraps up our show. We've we've done it. We've made it to the end of episode two. What well, uh... I'm proud of us. Proud of you. Proud of you too, Patrick. I'm leaving, leaving Patrick out of this. Let's be surprised. So, that would be goodbye from me, and we'll see you next week. And also a big goodbye from Jack. Goodbye from me. And a very German goodbye from Patrick. Yeah, tschüss now. Is that what it is? Is that goodbye in German? Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah, you can say so many times, but I just said this time. Tschüss, no? And next time I'll say something else because there are one million ways to say goodbye. <laughs> There's one million ways to say everything in German, isn't there? Yeah, anyway, definitely. until next time, thanks for joining us.